Welcome to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast presented by Dean Duplessis. We bring you up to date with all the ongoing fixtures domestically and on the international scene. We profile players, both current and former, and tell you all you need to know in the world of cricket. Well, I must say it really is rather lovely up here. We are sitting on the viewing platform where all the cameramen do their work. There's a beautiful view right across the beautiful pitch here at Harare Sports Club. You can also see uh, across the road where these almost penthouse-like flats are situated as well. So all in all, a fantastic setting, even for a person who can't see a thing. Hello and welcome to the Dean at Stumps podcast. And as this podcast is being recorded, right in the, I suppose, the early stages of what is a very crucial game of one-day international cricket. It is the second in the three-match one-day international series between Zimbabwe and Ireland. Of course, Zimbabwe winning the first one very, very, uh, in a very close encounter by three wickets. And uh, will Zimbabwe be able to level it or, will, or to win it, should I say, will Ireland be able to level it? Now, it gives me huge amounts of pleasure to welcome to the Dean at Stumps podcast a man who's become very, very popular on South African, on the South African airways, very popular on radio, and um, he's been around for some time, Mululeke in Sabu. Mulu, thank you so much for taking time out. It's great to, great to have you in the country. Dean, uh, thank you, man. What an honor. Uh, it's a pleasure um, to, to be chatting to you. Oh, thank you. And this, this is your first time here as a commentator in this country. My very first time, yes, indeed. I, th I think I might have been here, and I know for a fact that in the late 90s, uh, I went to Kwekwe with one of the cricket sides to, to, to play there, but I didn't spend much time in the field of play, uh, carried drinks as a, as a Twolfi. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's nice to be here now, uh, uh, years later, and, and as a commentator. Just as well, you didn't spend too much time in the field. Quick, quick, bitterly hot place to play your cricket. <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> it is. It, it was uh, almost like a, an eye-opener experience uh, of a, life, a lifetime, of course. Uh, as you said, that very hot and those three days went uh, as kind as uh, the stiff breeze of uh, Port Elizabeth. <laughs> All right, so let's actually get right into that. Um, you love cricket. I love cricket. Um, like me, you know, you know, we're not the type of people who were privileged enough to represent our country. We didn't play test cricket or any form of international cricket, and yet we still somehow have a seat at this lovely table where we can bask uh, at the banquet of cricket. You certainly have, have made some incredible strides. I'd just like you to take us back and tell us how it all began for you. Did cricket find you? Did you find cricket? Where did it all start for you? Um. I would like to say that it found me. Um, I grew up in a small town, I would say. It's a small town of East London uh, in the border region in South Africa. That's a coastal line. Um, in primary school, I was a, a, a football lover. I, I played a, a bit at, at that age, I think around about 10, 11. But there was a <laughs> there was a bit in me that just wanted to be better than other kids in, in all sporting codes across. Um, I was in bed in athletics as well, uh, especially with a 100 meter dash. <laughs> uh, so um, how it, as you said, it, it, it found me. Uh, it, it, it was always a passion of uh, a couple of friends of mine. Um, every time just before school, we'll be talking about uh, what had happened over the weekend. I'd be updating them about football. 
uh, whether that's English football or local football, mm. uh, which I, um, I really followed uh, quite intensely uh, back in the day. So just one day I just wanted to, to see what this cricket is all about. But I must have been uh, slightly older, 10. You, you'd expect uh, most South Africans would start playing cricket at around about six, seven, uh, and some of them just before they start school, uh, they'll be uh, hitting balls uh, next to, to the cricket grounds, uh, especially in the villages and, and in, the, in the townships. So it, it was during the break that I started and didn't know what to expect. Uh, obviously, uh, my mates tried to stitch me up and, <laughs> and asked me to bowl. Um, I've never bowled before. So I think in my one, two, three strides is uh, I was approaching. So I held this thing very, very hard. Um, and it got the stumps tumbling, of course. But, but it wasn't the correct bowling uh, way, of course. <laughs> and they, they all started laughing. I said, you can't do that. You know, so that um, I think I was determined from that goal to, to probably try it and, and get better. And attended a couple of uh, uh, coaching sessions in Danzane, NU7. Uh, those in South Africa would, um, would have a little knowledge about it. Yeah. But as, a, as the passion progressed, um, I started wanting and asked my mom to take me to, to uh, Buffalo Park, which is uh, our main Absolutely. cricket field yeah. for border. Ground. Yeah, it's, ground. A, it's a lovely ground. My first memory um, would probably be South Africa playing Pakistan in 1993. 1993. Yeah, yeah that's, so that, a, that's where Wasim Akram took five for 19. As an 11-year-old. 11, uh, 11, uh, right. And um, to, to see, I think, Muchaba scored some runs there, yeah. but it was uh, uh, Javed Mienda to score 100 there. 107. And to just watch him and uh, yeah. to, to watch the likes of Fanny de Villiers, Alan Donald bowling at the time, it was just uh, almost like something, the world that has just been open for me and that I've never been involved in. And all of a sudden, I just wanted, I wanted to be like that. I wanted to play. And that's how it uh, ignited my passion. I, I, that was a wonderful, that was an incredible series, a total series. I remember it was called South Africa, West Indies and Pakistan. Yep. And South Africa kept comprehensively beating the West Indies, but kept falling foul to, to Pakistan. If you remember, the opening game was played uh, in, in, at St. George's Park in Port Elizabeth. Yep. Very low scoring game. South Africa uh, getting over the line. Peter Kirsten and John T. Rhodes batting well in that instance. And, uh, and then, of course, we traveled to, to, I say we, I was at school <laughs> as well. But everybody traveled to Durban and Pakistan 208 for six and F50 overs. Mushtaba 49 and Meandad also 49. And, and I remember Wasim Akram hitting Fani de Villiers for this incredible straight six in the final over yeah. and South Africa cruising at 100 for no wicket, kept the vessels, Andrew Hudson doing what they used to do and along comes Waka Yunus for the second spell. With Wasim at the other end. Devastating. <laughs> yeah, Waka and Wasim as you rightly say. And I mean, Andrew Hudson, what did he get, 84, 94? He yeah, he was in the 90s I think. Yeah, 94 yeah. I think it was. And he gets bowled by Waka Yunus and there's just this onslaught and Waka ends with five for 28. You know, and I mean, the thing is, I'd been very blessed to, to, to watch slash listen, I'll say watch, it doesn't sound right to say listen, <laughs> to watch a couple of VHS videos um, of the recently concluded World Series in Australia, which featured Pakistan, Australia and the West Indies. So I had an idea what Waka was, was about. 
but but still, I suppose, given the fact that he was in South Africa and you, you kind of felt part of it, you know, because there was a ball by ball radio commentary, there was television, so you, you really felt as if you were a part of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then Wakan and Wasim, um, you know, just made such an impact, I think, on so many young fast bowlers' lives. Kurtley Ambrose, Brian Lara. That, that, that was a wonderful, wonderful series, wasn't it? It was well set up for the for us, as you said, uh, for kids who just started out and and great role, role models, as you say. And obviously at that time, Brian Lara wasn't as well, a superstar that he ended up as as he was at the time. The likes of uh, Richard Richardson uh, were the main attraction for Daisy the likes Haynes. of us. Yes, Desmond Haynes, yeah. um, as, as you said, Kathleen Ambrose and uh, Courtney Walsh. Um, a very, very good, solid team that we could, as kids from the township, identify with. Yes. As much as we were South African uh, fans, because we were, and don't get me wrong, we were supporting South Africa all the way. Um, but when you see someone that looks like you, um, you, you sort of wanted to, to be like that. You relate. You relate yeah. slightly better, don't you? Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's no slight, that's, it's not meant as any derogatory form. But it, it's something, it's, and I mean, again, for you, from your perspective, um, from a domestic perspective, you had Ezra Mosley, who played a little bit for, he may Northwest, have been a bit yeah. before you, for Nor Northerns, Nor yeah. what was named Northern Transvaal. You had Aldine Baptiste, who played for Eastern Province. Franklin Stevenson, he was one of my all-time favourite cricketers playing for Freestead. <laughs> you know, I mean, you had that formidable bowling attack. Otis of, Gibson at border, yeah, Marco Marshall oh, at Natal. Wow. That Otis Gibson was a fearful character. Goodness me, he could, he could just change a game on he, his head with he, the bat. He, I just can't remember, and, and if, if anyone's listening, uh, which I'm sure they will, and yeah. they, they would rightly so correct, uh, correct me, but my memory just um, escapes me a little bit. But the action where I think it must, must have been Brett Schultz bowling Eastern Province versus Border at, at Buffalo Park. And now you can imagine there's a park drive end, um, at Park Drive end, there is a, um, a, a street or road that's driving down towards a pitch front. And there is also like it's a distance between the, the stadium at Buffalo Park and the graveyard, but uh, Otis Gibson launched one of the biggest sixes I've ever seen. I'm yet to see that. Don't tell me it landed and in the graveyard. It landed right there. In the graveyard? In the graveyard. Oh my goodness me. Rest in peace to the cricket ball, not to the bowler. But I, I also remember Otis Gibson taking a particular liking to a bowler who played one or two seasons for Nutella, Australian by the name of Rowan Varner. Do you remember Rowan oh, yes. Varner? Yeah. And um, Otis Gibson, they lost the game border because our salt was a bit too late. But my goodness, it was, it was unbelievable. And Frankie Stevenson, my opinion, should have paid, played for the West Indies. He was a super all-rounder. How about his change-ups? Well, his yeah, slow the slow ball, or what they, they used to call it the moon ball. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. But to me, I loved it when he bowled quick and, and he could bat. Let me tell you, he could bat. He was a proper all-rounder. And, and so, but I, I totally understand what you say when you say that you could relate a bit more to, to those cricketers. I mean, obviously, as you rightly say, Alan Donald, John T. Rhodes, Hansi Cronier, Farney de Villiers, Peter Kirsten, all of those players would have had a big influence in your life. And I actually remember you talking on air when you were commentating on television and you were talking about the John T. Rhodes, infamous John T. Rhodes run out with Inza Mamulhak. So you would have been 10 years old at the time. Uh, I was a 15 year old doing <laughs> my schooling in, in Worcester, just outside the Cape. And, and the commentator, I was listening on radio and the commentator was it was because it happened so quickly he wasn't able to put into words what it just happened as to, as to what John Tier did and so we didn't understand what he was actually trying to say 
You know, because I mean, that was phenomenal. Demolishing the body, the, the stumps with his body practically, and with the ball obviously, but you know, j just the way that little Jonty used to throw him, himself around. I guess he always will be the pioneer. Although the older generation, Lou will say Colin Bland was the pioneer for John T. Rhodes. Uh, I don't know, he was way before our time, so we the, can't... Yeah, we, 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 uh, we, in the commentary <laughs> box, when we actually, you always hear about Colin Bland. Yeah. And especially with the likes of Lee Evan, who yeah, really raved a lot about it. And, yeah. and it, ma it, it made you want to really go deep in terms of your research and wanting to, to know a, a bit more. But we talk about John T. Rhodes, I think he's is someone that made it very interesting and, and you wanted to do that uh, aspect of the, of the game too because uh, as, as, as cricketers uh, growing up you either were a bowler or a, ba a batsman and, and the all-rounder uh, sort of skill um, you, would, you would attain as time went but uh, fielding wasn't the most uh, entertaining thing until you watched John T. Rhodes and you wanted to be him wanted yeah, to field the backward point of cover yeah. who, who who did who were you which cricketer were i always at school when we played our blind cricket at school i was always edo brandis who was zimbabwe's the chicken farmer, chicken farmer. <laughs> i was edo there's no doubting that um not not nearly as big and as strong as him but i was always edo brandis another friend of mine was adrian caper and uh, and so on and so forth but now did you have a situation where you wanted to be a Malcolm Marshall or a, a Kirtley Ambrose now that you'd actually had the opportunity of witnessing the likes of Ambrose and, and Walsh and Bishop um, on television is that something that came to you as you were growing up did you want to be a West Indian cricketer because the likes of you know Makai Antini wasn't quite ready to be playing domestic cricket yet if I remember correctly he made his first class debut in 1995 to Makai so it was a little it was about two years before his time so which cricketer did you aspire to be um, there were quite a lot um, because I wanted to do everything uh, and um, mini, uh, Baker's mini cricket it was called uh, then at the start when they introduced cricket to us you, you could do everything um, you, you bowled once you bowled you filled it and moved to the next position towards backward point and keeping in the end so that, that sort of taught you to want to do almost everything but um, I had a hero back then and he was uh, it was Daryl Cullinan who came from our, uh, from my uh, neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, played for Western Province at a very young age. Uh, before went to play for uh, Transvaal and went back to Border again. So I've always been uh, a follower of uh, DJ. He played a, an exquisite cut shot, cover drive. He could pull at the at yeah, the same time. Yeah. So, but also Brian Lara was someone who I was a right-hander, but I could. I could I, I could watch Brian Lara and, and the way he played. Um, he changed uh, game situations for West Indies, even though at the time you think that that was towards the, the start of, uh, of a very, very bad dip on how they, 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 they progressed in, the, in those uh, mid-90s towards uh, early 2000s. And you, you could tell they, where you had only one um, man that's performing for them, and it was Brian Lara at the time. Yeah, that's... That's exactly right. And, and so just tell us a bit more about the Bakers. I tell you what, you talk about Bakers mini cricket. I, 
I, I, I wouldn't mind a packet of, bake, of uh, bacon kips or eat some <laughs> more biscuits right now. That would be quite nice. But uh, um, it, it, these, so was it a situation where in a game of cricket that you actually were able to do all, all three? So in other words, keep wicket, bowl, bat, field. Is that something that they encouraged in, in a particular game or not necessarily? It was encouraged in a particular game wow. at the time because so we were playing. All yeah. the, everything at the same time. Yeah, because we were playing with the we were just introduced to a, a soft ball. Yeah. It was called slash ball at the time. So we could only, it's slightly harder than a tennis ball. Um, and as you get introduced to a harder or hard ball, then you've got to choose your skill. Obviously, if you bowled, if you, even if you were a better, uh, you're a bowler and a better at the same time, then you would give others a, uh, an opportunity to also execute their skills. And you got your chance to do, to do that. So that's how I, that's how I got to, to, to get the hang of it, to be able to bowl sometimes, but I was a better primarily. And, a, and a obviously a very good fielder. Oh, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, um, broadcasting, how did that come about for you? I, um, I was still at the university, university of, uh, it's called Val Triangle Technicon back then. It was, um, it's now called Val University of Technology. Oh, yeah. um, and I've been there on a, obviously on a scholarship um, because I, they thought I was a good cricketer. <laughs> um, so the days or, or, or weekends where we didn't have cricket, I would uh, accompany my friend to, to his show on a Saturday morning um, and he would do his uh, on campus radio and he would do his, his show there and I would do a sporting, se uh, sporting segment uh, for him um, without really giving it uh, a good sh shot yeah. um, it wasn't one of my passions so more for fun uh, really yeah more for fun yeah. but I, but as you said I grew up listening uh, to Radio 2000 and even when I uh, uh, when I finished my matric I know I was in grade 11 grade 11 when I I went to to the bush they call um, as a possum man there's a um, there's a, a a tradition where you become an initiate right and you spend a bit uh, a couple of weeks in in the bush there yes. and getting taken care of of course it's something that you need to do once you're at the age of 18 but i must have been slightly younger than that but um, my parents didn't have a problem with it so i went what i'm trying to say is that i was listening to this australian tour while um, while i was there uh, south africa australia on radio that would have been in 1997 I yeah, would 97 december yeah. yes yeah. So that's uh, how um, my passion was ignited and also the under 19 side the world uh, cup. the world cup yeah. which was uh, in south africa at the time um, your team i remember led by mlule kinkala yes that's as correct. our captain and i think uh, south Mark african Vermeulen team Vic, was uh, yes Mark south Vermeulen africa was who was there south africa um, um victim pitsang was there but mone von weck was there was, was the captain lead, was, captain. was there robbie peterson was yeah. there uh, murray creed i'm just yeah, trying to think who right. else that's that would have played townsend david townsend yeah. grant elliott grant elliott was there yeah. he was indeed absolutely so yeah. yeah so that's that's when my passion was ignited but at the start it was just something that I wanted, uh, that I was just doing for, for a mate. But um, just for, fast forward that to 2005, and I'm just done with, with cricket in, in Joburg and Gauteng. Um, obviously, that was the start of uh, the movement from uh, 14 uh, provinces that we had, um, where each province had their B team and their academy side, and we were able to play our cricket then. Um, you, you, you had hope that 
somehow you'd be able to make it up at the top. But um, but then then for me that was uh, I started really looking to my um, academics and starting to focus. I'm a journalist, um, a qualified journalist. So then I got a call from one of the local radio stations, uh, a station manager calling me to ask if I was interested to join him. Um, I didn't know how, I got, how she, got the, she got my contact, but I figured out as she told me when I met her that um, uh, they were searching all over the country and looking for recordings and they kind of liked my voice, <laughs> which is funny. That's nice. Um, so I started doing my weekend shows there, and why, which is on the SABC, that, that original radio station called yeah. True FM. It was called Sick AI back then. And, 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 and it, just, it just so happened that I got a call from SABC Sport. Uh, Danny, I can't recall, Danny van der Berg, a gentleman by Danny van der Berg oh, calling me. I know Danny yeah, very, very well. Asking if I would be interested in joining the commentary Yeah, because he was a producer, yeah. Yes. He got a hold of me on a couple of occasions as well. If I, was, I would be interested in joining their commentary team, I think they had one game, it was, uh, Zimbabwe was touring at the time. Was it in 2005? Yes, but the, also... The test match? Yeah, but there was also a game where and Makaya was getting his benefit here at, at border cricket. Yes. So that's how I started there, doing that game, where the likes of Jacques Gullis, Mark Pacha, all of his friends, um, they came to play for that invitational side. And, and that's where my commentary started then. So I never turned back. Um, wow. Yeah, but very interesting that it just sort of uh, progressed uh, in weeks. And I was, <laughs> I was in the middle of a test match between Bangladesh and then Zimbabwe. And then there was England coming and Australia, and it just went on and on. Um, very difficult at the start, Dean, I must tell you, uh, because you are, you are with these uh, ex-cricketers that they, they, they're not saying anything, but they, it's just the, their presence intimidates oh, yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, it is very intimidating. Yes, I know, I can speak from it. It makes you feel very uncomfortable, yeah, but to, yeah. to have the likes of Neil Manthorp there, um, Craig, Craig Murray, yeah. uh, Alistair Campbell, um, Neil Johnson, Neil some Johnson of the guys that I've worked there. with yes. at the start and yeah. that made me uh, feel at ease and yeah. be able to just um, get on with my job. And I got to meet you uh, a couple of years yes, down the line yes, too. Yes, absolutely. We met, I, I don't know if it was two, the first time was 2009 maybe, uh, but definitely 2017 we worked together at St. George's Park and that very disappointing four-day pink, oh, that was pink day one and a half. Zimbabwean perspective, <laughs> one, and, one and a half, four-day. Uh, test match at, at Port Elizabeth, but just to be at PE was, uh, well, it's now called Kabeja, isn't it? It is called Kabeja. Yes. Yeah. Um, Lou, and what I really respect and admire about you, and I've also recently interviewed Andrew Leonard, uh, Andrew Leonard as well from Ireland, is that despite the fact that you have uh, no, shall we say, real cricketing background, no. and that's meant to no yeah. disrespect whatsoever, but you understand what I mean? Yep you have been able to carve out your career as a commentator. You're now on Supersport, which is just absolutely outstanding, richly deserved. Thank Andrew you. is also making wonderful strides. He gets to travel the world. Unfortunately, it's not quite happened for me. Um, despite 22 years of, of really, really hard work, it hasn't mm. quite happened, but that's not the point. That's neither here nor there. The point I'm making is, I guess what this is a wonderful message that you, in particular can send out to people who grew up in your area and say, listen, 
there, nothing is impossible because um, if you believe in what you are able to do, invariably you will achieve. Oh, certainly. Um, and I think it gives hope to, to, to a lot. I hope it does. I hope it, it inspires um, quite a lot of, uh, of, those, of those young kids that are growing up, as you said, coming from um, with my background, obviously plenty of those South Africans that, are, that can, re can relate or I can relate with their upbringing. Um, so it, it, it sort of is a, somehow you want to uh, keep that in mind that you are representing millions of other kids that are coming from a, a very difficult background in South Africa. So a couple of quick fire questions before we wrap it up, because you need to get back to the commentary box at some point. Um, your favorite test match that you've commentated on? Oh, it's quite recent. I'm sorry. Um, AB de Villiers 100 at St. George's Park oh, wow. against that Australia. I think that might have been the last we saw AB de Villiers. Yeah. Very difficult wicket. South Africa struggling at the time before he just uh, he, he, he came on and he just dazzled. Um, playing those little scoops, those pull shorts, cuts, drive. But, he, but the, the thing about him was that he was able to bide his time despite, um, despite it looking it's so easy for him. And I think he ended up with 100. I still have vivid okay. memories. 1816. Um, yes, yeah. with, uh, sitting next to Mark Nicholas at lunch. And he's, he just nod his head. It's just, this, this is the best we've, we've seen of A.B. de Villiers. The best and the last. And sadly, that was the last time. Your favourite batsman watching as a commentator? De Villiers, AB, of course. Right. Uh, I like Vera Kohli. Um, I also took a liking of uh, Baba Azam from Pakistan. Um, for Australia, obviously Stephen Smith. I've been a, a fan of Stephen Smith. Joe Root in England. And um, for, I've done a few games of uh, Andy Flower. Zimbabwe. Um, very, very difficult man to, to dislodge. Wow. Um, so I, I also, I mean, you, you watch these guys and you watch how they apply themselves. It's not a matter of, uh, of their techniques and how well they play and finding it very easy to deal with situations in the middle, but how they apply themselves in those situations. They, they allow difficult times to, to pass because of their experience and what they want to achieve at the end of it. Your favourite bowler as a commentator, sitting in that commentary box and your favourite? Without a doubt, Vellum, Dale Stain. Uh, I don't think too many people would disagree with you on that. But having said that, Andrik Norkia is in superb form as well, isn't he? There's a, there's a guy, I'm not too sure if you've heard of him, but he's been around for, for a while in South Africa. Plays uh, cricket across uh, all formats in, in our domestic scene. Uh, Sisanda Magala. Oh, very much. There's another one called Lutosi Pamla, but Anders yes. Norkia is right up there. Uh, as you said, it's, um, <laughs> he intimidates you with pace, but he, his, his precisions, his precision and, and, and what, what he wants to do and applies himself. It's just, it's just one of those uh, rare breeds, I would say. Uh, you don't find that quite often in every team. And so it's, it's, it's an asset that South Africa have. You've now established yourself at Supersport, or should we say you're establishing yourself at Supersport. But w would it be fair to say that radio, in terms of commentating, would still be your first love, because that is where it all started for you? I mean, you wouldn't want to neglect radio totally, would you? Very, very difficult to... to when you look back, uh, <laughs> Dean, um, talking about radio, 
obviously it's my first love and there's, there's no, I can't hide that. And it's something that has molded me to be a, a commentator that I think I am. I'm not there yet, it's still a long way, but I think I've made strides and thanks to radio and, and working with people like uh, Manthob, uh, people like, uh, um, may his soul rest in peace, um, Peter Roebuck, oh, yeah. um, that I've been able to, uh, Jim Maxwell, of course, another uh, inspiration for me. Uh, what a wonderful uh, honor and opportunity to have worked with him when Australia came here and also when I was in Australia uh, commentating that famous 2008-2009 uh, yeah, uh, test series. You were there. Um, so yes, I will, that will always be um, my first love. Obviously, the opportunities have come and gone, I think. Uh, hopefully that uh, <laughs> there will be another time where we'll be able to have uh, radio commentary on in South Africa. Moleleki, it has been an absolute privilege and pleasure to have you on this podcast. You came from very, very humble beginnings, yet you stayed humble and you've also extended your ambitions to ensure that people who have come from a similar position of you also get the same privileges. And I use the word privilege in a sense that you've been privileged to travel around the world and, and commentate in, in very, very different situations. That's the only reason why I use the word privilege. Thank you very much indeed for coming onto this podcast and I wish you nothing but the very best and many, many more years of commentating. Thank you very much, Dean. I must say I'm a, I'm a huge fan, in case you didn't know that. Um, really wonderful uh, gift that you have and then I hope it, it really, as you said, that you get more opportunities to be behind the mic, which is something that you dearly love. And um, I'm, I'm sure. Thank you, Mlu. Thank you very, very much indeed. Thank you very much to you as well to listening or for listening to the Dnuts Stumps podcast. And uh, we'll be back again pretty soon. Take care. You've been listening to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast presented by Dean Duplessis. Join us again next week and catch up with all the action in the world of cricket.